Thanks for tuning in to Women in Product Marketing. I'm your host, Mary Sheehan with Adobe. This week, we feature Shopify's VP of Product Marketing, Desiree Modometti. This is a very special episode for me, as Des was my first manager of product marketing when we were both at Google. This episode is chock full of gems, like how to approach new opportunities, earning a seat at the table without domain expertise, and factors to consider before promoting your launch. Shout out to our sponsor, Clue. That's Clue with a K, the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers who drive revenue for their business. Clue helps you collect, curate, and distribute competitive insights to enable sales and revenue teams to win more deals. Share real-time insights across your organization with Clue's dynamic battle cards, delivered everywhere your sales reps live, and allowing them to contribute insights from the field. It's competitive strategy as a key lever of revenue. Elevate your role and outmaneuver, outplay, and outmatch the competition with Clue. This show is produced by Sharebird, the knowledge-sharing platform for the fastest-growing teams. It's the place to get on-demand answers for your questions and learn from leaders in the top of their field. Want more advice and insights? Head to Sharebird.com. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Women in Product Marketing. This is a very special episode for me as I'm interviewing my former manager from Google, Desiree Modometti, who taught me the ropes of product marketing. Since then, Des has become the VP of product marketing at Shopify with a global purview. Des has also held positions at Adobe and Meta. I always thought of Des as a get things done leader who built strong, lasting relationships with stakeholders. Des, it's so great to have you on the show. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here too. It's like so nice to be part of this awesome experience that you've created. (laughs) Thank you so much. Well, let's start off with our favorite question from this season, which is who or what inspires you? Oh my gosh, so many things, so many people, so many different aspects too. So I'm going to just like break it down for you. Like the number one thing I would say that gives me a lot of energy is, especially now that I work at Shopify, is meeting with merchants. And the only reason being is that their stories are so unique. Like all these different entrepreneurs who are coming out and starting a business and like why they started a business and how they're just trying to get their day-to-day jobs done is fascinating to me. We just recently had a burst, which is like a offsite with our team. We were in London and we got to meet with this amazing vendor who creates dry flower arrangements and just hearing the story of how she got started during COVID and was able to actually create a business in a very stark time. As you can imagine, it was really hard to even get something going and sure enough, word of mouth, as well as her beautiful arrangements that really just spoke to people. We're starting to see success and she's really excited about how Shopify is helping her build that narrative for her. So every time I meet with a merchant though, and I think what's so powerful with being a product marketer, and you know, this too, is like, you kind of want to get a sense of your customer and what empowers them and what makes them motivated and what they do every day. And so for me, spending time with customers across the board from small to big just gives me so much energy. So that's like the first area. And then of course, there's tons of people. Oh my gosh, including you. (laughs) I think, you know, listening to podcasts, especially around product marketing, I mean, that's amazing. So that's definitely a different aspect of it. But I have a few people that I tap into on occasion to like help me think about decisions or just like the inspiration of the things that they're working on. I've been very lucky to work with some amazing product leaders as well as amazing marketing people. One of my favorites out there, he's an old boss of mine. His name is Mark Darcy. He was the chief design officer at Meta. One of the people that really pushed me when I was working on workplace at Meta really just made me think outside the box about brand and how to really kind of convey your narrative to your end user. 
And then on the product side, again, very lucky. I've worked with some amazing women leaders and Deb Lou, who started Women in Product with Fiji. Yeah, she was an old boss of mine. And so I feel like every time I need a little energy or I have a question or something, I've reached out to Deb. And so she's just a badass. I'm just going to say it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. I love how you brought it back to product marketing as well. And the emphasis on meeting the people that you are serving and doing all of this for. It's so beautiful. And to get kind of daily inspiration from them just really warms my heart. So thank you for bringing that up. And as well as some of the other folks that you tap into for inspiration, I'll have to check them out as well. I'd love to hear about your role at Shopify. So you're a VP of product marketing there. Tell us all about it. Yeah, it's been great. I've been here almost, it's kind of crazy thinking about how fast time has flown, but I started last September. So almost, I guess, 11 months now at this point. I know it's gone by so quickly. And I, oddly enough, actually, someone just asked me this, like, how did you even get to Shopify? And I wasn't looking to leave. I was at Meta. I was there for six and a half years. I was loving the space that I was in. I've always been a B2B marketer at heart. And Meta is still trying to figure out how to do B2B in general, because we've always been like more of a consumer brand in general. And so I wasn't looking. And then a dear good friend of mine that actually used to work at Google had pinged me and said, Des, like, what's next? What are you going to do? And I was like, I'm cool here at Meta. I don't need to do anything. Different, but more importantly, he's like, Hey, have you talked to anybody externally? And I was like, Randomly, I got a ping at Shopify. I don't know. He's like, You should talk to them. They're doing amazing things around commerce. And so I started having the conversation and didn't think anything of it. I was just more just like exploratory at that point. But the more I started talking to the people here and the mission, and of course, I met with Toby, and it just became more clear to me that I love the commerce space. It's so relevant. We all Mm -hmm. are buyers, we all buy stuff left and right, but it just felt like it spoke to me in a really cool way. And it feels like we've barely scratched the surface on the possibilities too. I mean, I think that Shopify has done an amazing job when it comes to like North America, but like international, we still have such an opportunity there too. And I think buying habits across the globe are so different. It's not like it's a one size fits all model, like especially like in the US. And so I feel like, again, from a product marketing lens, I got excited about the opportunity from a global point of view. And so that's kind of how I got to Shopify. So I lead the craft across all of Shopify for product marketing. And then I sit under a division called Core, which is kind of like our main bread and butter platform for Shopify. So this is where people use things from checkout to our online store. It's like all the core features that you would typically use with our platform today. So I have a team of folks who are making it happen for us. (laughs) That's amazing. And I love what Shopify does. I feel like they make the shopping experience so much more seamless from a consumer perspective. But I realized doing some research for this podcast that I only really understood the tip of the iceberg of what Shopify actually does. Can you give us a quick overview of, if that's possible, (laughs) of all the things Shopify is doing out there in the world to make commerce easier? You know, it's funny you say that because another thing that I've been learning from also our merchants too, I would go out and meet with these folks and it's fascinating because they always use like one piece of the platform. So an example is like, oh, I want to build an online store, like a storefront and, and have like checkout tied to it. That's where I think majority of merchants think Shopify does today, but we have a slew of things from like helping you manage your inventory or that you need credit or that if you want to be able to do NFTs. I mean, the list goes on on all the things that we do. So I would say we're probably one of the most comprehensive when it comes to commerce. We do every little aspect that you would want from like email, customer retention, engagement, email flows. I mean, the list goes on and on. We really do everything to be a successful entrepreneur from someone who's just getting started to someone as sophisticated as a large entity like a Kylie uh, Cosmetics. 
So like, it's really fascinating to see the spectrum of the audiences that we speak today. And I think a lot of people think that Shopify is really made for smaller merchants, but we absolutely power some of the largest merchants on our platform as well too. So it's been fun. It's been really, really fun. So yeah, we do it all. And yeah, I think you probably know Shop or Shop Pay. You probably mm-hmm. see those things in some of the merchants that you probably purchase. And yeah, I think again, you should check out our website. There's lots that we do. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I have some friends that use you on the merchant side and they were sort of telling me more and more about what it is. I didn't know the NFT piece. I That's a whole other podcast, but I think that's so great that you, it's kind of like a one-stop shop, it sounds like for the merchant experience and then obviously makes it easier on the consumer side. So that's incredibly helpful. Yeah. I'd love to learn a little bit more about your path. So I met you right after your tenure at Adobe. You yeah. were my first manager when I became a product marketer. So yeah. I would say Des taught me the ropes of product marketing and I really learned how to be a full stack product marketer from you. And then after that, you went to Meta and then to Shopify. But I'd love to hear a little bit about the stages there. You know, when did you move from individual contributor to management? And then how was that progressed in terms of the teams that you built? I'd love to hear a little more about your path. Yeah. You know, it's really funny. And I'm so glad you asked this question too, because it's actually where I learned my PMM chops was actually at Adobe. Right. Um, And I remember it vividly the moment that it happened. And it's such a pivot point for me in my career. And I think it's something that a lot of people always, I don't know, I think they question if this is the right path for them, but I'm going to tell you how it came for me. I was at the time working in field marketing and I was covering creative suite. So production premium. So I was covering the video products back in the day at Adobe and I was loving that space. I think video is like just a fun medium in general. And I got to work with a lot of really cool brands, like from producers and people who were using our tools to kind of create these amazing video experiences. And so long story short, I had a product leader reach out to me and say, Hey, Des, we have this open role. It's a PMM role, but it's for flash media server. Mm. And I remember thinking, Oh, product marketing sounds super technical and difficult. And I remember thinking like, there's no way I can do that. Like, I remember thinking literally that, Oh, I need to be technical. I have to like write stuff. And I just remember like thinking like, there's no way that I could be that person. And then this product leader was like, why don't you talk to some folks? on the team, get a sense of what the role is. And sure enough, I started meeting with some folks and I was like, wait a minute, this could be interesting. This could be like kind of fun. I, I like this idea that I can learn a new craft of marketing. Cause I'd traditionally been doing like more of the outbound work with like the field marketing, working with sales, trying to like build revenue and targets and things like that. And I felt like the product marketing side felt just I don't know why I was scared. I was literally (laughs) thinking like, I don't think I can do this job. So started meeting with the team and they were like, well, we really need someone who can like tell the story of why they should use this product. And right when that person said that, I was like, wait a second, I think I could do that. I think I can actually do, maybe it's not as hard as I'm like making it, painting it out to be. And so sure enough, I interviewed and I got the job and I was so excited. And I was also learning the ropes too, but what really became the moment for me where I was like, this is where I fit was I loved the idea idea that I could actually convince someone to use the product. Like it based on what I put out there from like the messaging and positioning and how we talk to customers and all the things from like the website to like back then we had data sheets, which makes me laugh thinking about that. (laughs) you know, all the decks and all that, and then going to like events or speaking about it or whatever it may be, it became so apparent to me that I had this power of influence. And I remember thinking like, as a product marketer, that is the most amazing skill set to have. And that's when I fell in love. I knew in that moment, I was like, I want to be a PMM forever. And I have to say the other part of it is working closely with product and convincing and trying to make sure that we're on the right path from a roadmap perspective. I thought those were the two pieces that I was like, I'm hooked. I want to be here forever. (laughs) Amazing. And 
Yeah. I remember when you came in the door at Google, you had that storytelling capacity. And I think one of the first projects I saw you do is you made this little video to explain internally what retargeting was. And it was like you sitting at a desk and you remember you were searching for shoes and then a shoe ad popped up, but it was like, it just kind of blew my mind. Whoa, we can do internal product marketing too. And sometimes you just got to try out a bunch of different things to make it stick. And I just really thought that storytelling component already came to life when I first started working with you. And another thing I remember, and you know, something that's really stuck with me throughout my career is that you really always built very authentic relationships with people. And I'm sure you're still doing that, but I remember you remembered everyone's kids' names. You remembered what they were into. You had really amazing rapport and relationships with everyone. How do you think that you've evolved since then? Is that something that you still focus on or how has your management style evolved now that you've moved on to the VP level? I would say that relationships for me is still very, very important. It's part of the aspect of like who I am as a person too. I love people. I think you can tell. <laughs> I really enjoy <laughs> like just people and relationships and interactions. I thrive. I get a lot of energy from people. It's interesting because even during COVID where we had to move into this VC world, I put so much energy into these conversations that I have, even like two-dimensional. When you see me in person, it's the same thing. Like I think you get the same kind of experience of like, okay, I'm going to meet with Des. I know what I'm going to get when I meet with her. But I do believe in that. I think that, you know, relationships is such a big aspect, especially being in a product kind of oriented place, like, cause there's a lot of like things that you have to figure out and you want to be able to make sure that you're on the same page with other product leaders or even from a customer standpoint or whatever it may be. So, oh yeah, I, every day I use the relationship aspect in different capacities and I'm a big believer of it. I even try to tell the team to do the exact same thing. I used to joke back in the day, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I remember when I was actually at Adobe, I had like close to 15, 20 PMs that I used to work with. Right. And I used to joke that they were all my children. I knew you were going to say yes. <laughs> I think that sometimes. Yeah. They're all my kids. And sometimes you have really good relationships with some of them and some of them you don't, but then like, it's an ebb and flow of like the relationship. You love them all. <laughs> I do. I love them all. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly that. I love that you still remember that. Yes, way. totally. I really thought that the other day. I'm like, does used to have this really good terminology. <laughs> still sticks to this day. It really does. And it's fascinating because I think my team is now starting to see that exact same thing where they have different PMs, different relationships, different personalities that you have to kind of manage and expect, but you still love them. You know what I mean? And you got to like figure out how to work with them too. Yeah, I think definitely. I remember that and, you know, building the relationships, but I think what you're getting at too is kind of uncovering their motivations for why they come to work, how they're going to prioritize things. I think that's part of building that trusting relationship that you can really start to understand as you unpack and unpeel the onion, so to speak. But yeah, I think that that's so important and everyone is different. So you can't just approach every working relationship with the same blanket. You have to really get to know the individual to understand how they think. And I think that makes you be a better product marketer. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You made me think of something too. I remember actually someone just asked me this question recently. This is why it's like stuck in my head. They're like, well, Des, I don't have all this domain expertise in this area. And I was like, you don't need a ton of domain expertise. I said, listen, I think the one thing I always tell the team as well, I'm like, be an investor investigator, like be a private eye for your products, like learn all the ins and outs of it. And you don't need to have like years of experience underneath this domain. It's just like getting to know like who are the comp 
competitors, what works, what doesn't work with customers, just getting like the basics. I remember actually I had my first son at Google and I came back and I moved into the developer world and I had never worked with developers in the past. Like that was like a new area for me. I spent six months just trying to like gather fact, understand like what's happening in the ecosystem. And then randomly we were at this offsite and we had some pretty heavy handed product leaders who knew this space really, really well. They like made a comment and I was like, I don't agree with that. And they were like, what? And I like stood up and I said, actually, I talked to two developers recently and this is what they said to me. And I remember holding the room, even though I didn't have like 10, 20 years experience in developer world, but they listened to me because I knew, because I had those conversations with somebody. And I remember it really vividly. And I said this to someone on my team recently, I'm like, you don't have to have years and years of experience, but just be a private eye to the product that you cover and just get an understanding so that you can actually talk the talk with whoever you're working with from a product lens too. And it's exactly what you said, the motivations, what they care about, get into the weeds, get an understanding of it. So yeah. I love that you brought up that story because we talk a lot on this show about how it's harder sometimes for women to show up in meetings because they feel like they have to be the expert in the domain in order to say anything. We talked a lot about bringing data or asking a really great question in meetings, but that point that you just brought up about talking to customers and bringing those anecdotes to life, that earns you so much street cred. So that cannot be undersold. And of course, you don't want to make all your product decisions based on like two conversations, but that's so important. And I think the most impactful leaders that I've worked with consistently talk to customers once a week, at least, and are bringing those conversations into the meetings that they're having into their thinking. It's so incredibly important and it gives you that respect. So if you can do one thing today, talk to a customer and bring it into a meeting. I think that's- yeah, I know. And it's true because I don't think a lot of product leaders take the time to go and do these conversations. And honestly, it's like, I think if you could, any PMM out there, you'll be a better PMM if you know who you're talking to at all times. And like, I always push the team, like we have these opportunities to go talk to merchants on an ongoing basis. I'm like, if you could do it every day, I'd be like, you're winning. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I have one more question for you before we get into your AMA questions from Sharebird. And it's really about growing your family as you're growing your career. So you have been an inspiration to me. You mentioned you had your first son and went on maternity leave when we were working at Google together and kind of watch how you've been able to handle that throughout the years. What would you say are the best parts of growing your career as you're growing your family and the hardest parts of that? If you can wrap it up, I know it's such a big topic. That's interesting. I'll tell you the hard parts first and then I'll go into the easy parts. But the hard parts is I think before COVID, I used to, I hate to say this, and it really breaks my heart saying this out loud, is that I used to prioritize meetings over things with my children. I remember like for school, if there was a parent teacher thing, I'd always ask my husband to go, or maybe we wouldn't go at all, or I wouldn't miss like a recital or whatever it may be. Cause I was like, I have a meeting or I can't do this. I think post COVID I've really taken a different turn when it comes to this. I actually prioritize all of their things now from a school perspective. So today was the first day of school for my boys. Uh, yeah, they went to school today. So first and third grade, and they had an assembly this morning. And of course I start my day. So Shopify is an East coast company. So I start my day pretty early. And so I cleared my calendar and went to their first day of school in the assembly. And I feel like in my past, I probably would not have done that. And I think the reason being is that you have this, like as a woman, especially, I think that you have this, like, you feel like you need to show up and everything just to like prove yourself a little bit. But I think now post COVID, I'm kind of like, no, you know what? I'm still doing all the things I should be doing and I can still show up for my children. And I think that's an important factor. And I hate that COVID was the thing that actually triggered it for me because I think during COVID it became more acceptable. You know what I mean? Absolutely. 
Yeah. But that's unfortunate, right? So it is. Yeah. And I know I totally agree. I mean, my son was only eight months when COVID shut everything down, but the lifestyle my husband and I had before that was like working five days a week in the office, picking him up at five 30 from daycare, spending like 45 minutes with him, putting him to sleep and then like rinse and repeat. And I feel like we didn't get any time. And now I spend multiple hours with my kids a day. And I am so thankful in a weird way for that because it also, yes, it normalized it. It normalized work-life balance, having little or no commute and also men talking about their familial commitments more frequently. I've noticed yeah. as well, because it used to, you know, it was looked down upon, as you said, you didn't want to you know miss a meeting because you were doing something with kids. But now a lot of men I work with, they're like, I have to do pickup today. Can't make this three o'clock meeting. Totally. Bye. So that normalizes it. it makes it so much easier for us too. in that space. So that's really wonderful. And I'm so glad that you're not missing out. That's so great. I know. And then there's one other positive I want to add. Yeah. This one is like my favorite. I've been noticing my boys have been kind of saying to me, mom, you are like such a badass. Like you do yes. all these like crazy meetings. And I love the fact that they're starting to see this aspect of me at home working and like showing what I do on a daily basis. Like they're very interested in Shopify. They're like, mom, can I start a store? I'm like, yes, you can start a store. <laughs> so I love, they're like really interested in my work, which is really cool. And so that's also been a really wonderful, positive aspect. Of- oh, I'm going to cry. That's so awesome. <laughs> I showed my son, or I had the podcast playing in the car for him. I said, listen, it's mommy's talk show. And he said, I want to listen to the fire truck song. So he's not there yet. <laughs> Well, trust me, okay. wait a little older. Yeah, for sure. I love that. That's so sweet. Awesome. All right, great. Well, thank you so much for that, for getting vulnerable for a moment as I really respect your opinion on those kinds of things. That was that was amazing. Now I'd like to switch over a bit to your the Sharebird AMA that you recently did and talk a little bit about product team relationships, prioritization, all of that good stuff. So the first question I have for you is how do you balance work with the product team that should be prioritized without hurting the relationship? So for example, if there's things that they want to work on that aren't as important or aren't something that you know are going to impact this target audience, how do you have that conversation and how do you get them on the same page or get them to see the light and ultimately impact that roadmap? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think right now is a really good explanation, like just for capacity, like how many PMMs we have on our team and how much work they can actually output on. We've been having this conversation literally as we speak. So this is really timely. I think the number one thing is most of our, the PMs understand what we can do on a day-to-day basis. And so the question is like, if there's like a laundry list of like 15 things, it's like, you understand that we can't do all 15 things. And so we really have a conversation together where we actually prioritize the work in a meeting, all of us in a group that, Hey, these top three things are the most important and anything else that's on the bottom here, if we have extra cycles, then maybe we could actually cover, but we would only basically agree that these are the three that we're going to do together in this like next half or quarter or whatever it may be. And I think just having that realistic expectation upfront versus like, as we get further in like the quarter or the cycle, I think is really important. So we, even though H2 kicked off, I guess at the end of June, We're constantly having these conversations and then keep reiterating the fact that, hey, we've agreed on these three things whenever we do like check-ins with them as well too. So it's like, you're almost reinforcing, but you're also doing this as a partnership. And Mm -hmm. I have to say the one other thing that's super important is like PM and PMM are partners. 
they're almost like an extension of each other. So they have to understand that like whatever we do, it's like it's in value to what they need as well. But it's like we're doing this together. It's not like we're doing something else. We're doing this because of the business. So yeah, I think just having open dialogue and conversations and just agreements that you do every time that you're about to kick something off so that there's no misstep or misexpectations on like what they want from us. That's so helpful. And yeah, we recently being in this job that I'm in, we have started to have shared objectives and key results, OKRs. And that's so amazing. It's like, why did any company ever have different OKRs within PMM and PM? And I've seen that many times in my career. So it's refreshing yeah. to have that same. It sounds like you do as well. We're on the same team. We should be working towards the exact same objectives and all the things we're doing should be laddering up to those. So yeah, having a reset moment if needed to point towards what the objectives are and moving forward from there. You made me think of something else that I think is important too, which is really random. Actually, I had a good call this morning with an engineer director on our team. And he said, Des, because I don't know if I shared this, but PMM at Shopify, we report into product. Oh, um, wow. Interesting. Yeah, which is, which is yeah. unique. And so, because in any other company, it's usually under a marketing head or a CMO of sorts. And so he asked me, he said, I've never seen it like this. Like, do you like it? And I said, I love it. And it's exactly what you just said, because we share the same goals. Like there is no difference, like, because we're not underneath a different remit. We're actually under the same remit. And so I think that's been super helpful as well. Just having that alignment up at the top as well. That's great to hear. Yeah. I used to rail against PMM being underneath the product organization, but I think it could be extremely valuable and especially oh, yeah. have that alignment. So yes, I love that you guys are doing that and great to hear a success story for it too. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what about how product marketing works in collaboration with product managers and even other teams like customer success on product launches? Do you have an approach to that? Oh yeah. I think PMMs are like the hub and spoke of all the different parts within a company, which includes not even just the PMs, which is their main constituent, but like you need to have an ear on the ground on making sure that how we roll out like a launch or anything is going to work for these customers. And like the customer success team, they have so much insight because they, all they do is spend time with customers. Like that's mm -hmm. the number one thing that they do. So as a PMM, they should be spending as much time as possible with them because they're going to give them all of the ins and outs, what's working, what's not working, making sure or actually before we even launch that they're getting good feedback from them first so that we're actually aligned. I think there's a lot of dependencies on this too. It depends if you have like alphas and betas and that you're working with this customer success team as well too. So that could give you the insight as well. But this relationship is by far one of the most important outside of PM because they're so close to the customer, right? And so I really believe that PMM has like multiple constituents, but I'd say those two are the most important. That's really great. And related, since we're talking about launches, what are some of the factors that you consider before you're actually choosing to promote a launch? <laughs> Lots of things. Money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. In my past life, we used to do a priority set of like list of things that were important. So one is like, is it moving the needle from a revenue standpoint? Is it going to give us press visibility? Is it going to compete with a feature that's with another competitor? Like there's a bunch of different variables that we look at. And then we also rate the launch, right? So it's like, if it's a P0, it gets this much visibility with like all of our different channels versus if it's a P2, it would probably would not get all the bells and whistles, but it gets some visibility as well as we can go out the market as well. So I think it just depends. It depends on what the product is, what you're trying to accomplish, what the goal is, but there should be some set of priorities of how you actually look at launches and like what that launch gets based off of those requirements, like all the things I've mentioned from, is it driving, you know, net new customers? Is it for existing customers? Is it going to get you the visibility? All those things. Like there's a bunch of factors that we really look into how we roll it out. 
That's really helpful. And what about new opportunities or creating new strategies? So is there a framework or a typical way that you approach kind of new opportunities as you're stepping into them for the first time? I'm a big, big believer of inbound work and inbound means a lot of things for certain people. So I'm just going to share what inbound means to me. And this is where you actually go do some qual and quant with the ecosystem that you want to be able to roll something new out to. So let's say it's NFTs because we just brought that up as an example. It's like, do you have an understanding of how NFTs work in this space today? What are customers doing today? Are they doing it themselves? Are they partnering with people? What's the market size for this today? Like you have to do all the due diligence. It's like going back to being that investor and understanding the market dynamics before you roll something out. And then I am a big believer from Google days. I think that one of the things I like cherish was the alpha and betas. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's not as used elsewhere. It's really fascinating. No. I thought that was just the norm since I started in PMM there, but yeah, tell me more. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I really wish that we did more of this as a practice. And it's something that I hope that I can bring at Shopify too. But that was probably one of the best signals to know that if you're actually on the right path, but more importantly, you're getting the feedback and then you're also feeding that back into product. And then it just continues. And there were some times that we actually rolled something out and we're like, nope, this is not going to work because we're not seeing the pickup that we thought we would. So so as a PMM, it's something that I think is super valuable. And I think product would enjoy having that kind of rigor as well. Yeah. But some companies are just not made to do that either. So it's a tough one. It just depends on how your product organization thinks when it comes to rolling out new features. Absolutely. Yeah. And I always bring up the example, Gmail was in beta for what, 10 years <laughs> and always iterating. I so <laughs> I know it's insane, but amazing. Wow. Awesome. All right. Well, it's already time for a rapid fire questions. So I'd love to know if this is different than who inspires you, but who have been your strongest mentors along the way? Oh man. I would say all of the people I've ever reported to, I've had some amazing bosses. I feel so lucky looking back at my career, even from like Adobe days to like today too. Every boss has either given me flexibility to like learn and grow and have also inspired me to like get all the tools that I need in my toolbox too, from like going to conferences or meeting other people. I also feel really lucky from like all of the people I've worked with in my past, like meaning like my colleagues, I look to them as mentors. Like if I I ever have an issue or I'm like thinking out like, how do I solve for something? There's a, like a short list of people that I call and be like, Hey, how have you dealt with this in the past? I have friends at Coinbase. I still have friends at Meta, of course. I have friends like all over the place that I can just get a little bit of like inspiration or like, Hey, how do you solve a really hard thing? And yeah, so I've been lucky. I'd say bosses and colleagues are like definitely in my circle at all times. I love that. I like the board of advisors approach versus, hey, one or two mentors that tell me, you know, they're your oracles, you know, <laughs> who are you calling for what? Who has an expert opinion on something? So that's really helpful to hear too. Because yeah, it's hard to have just one, you know what I mean? And yeah. like, it depends on what you're looking to solve for or that you want some feedback on. And I feel really lucky. I think you just like, I'm sure you feel the same way. There's certain colleagues that you just like bond with and you get like, you have the same thinking and the same aspects of like how you think about marketing. And when you find those people, hold on to them tight. And I, I said this to someone recently too. I'm like the number one thing that has been such a valuable lesson for my career has been the relationships of the people I've worked with over the years by far. So yeah, hold on to people when you find good ones. <laughs> what would you say has been the one thing that's been most important in terms of growing your career? Man, that's a good one. I said this before, I'm a people person for sure. 
And I think that I'm always striving. I actually think feedback is a gift. And I think that people tend to forget that sometimes. I remember as even being a new manager, I think that you start to like, always think like when you get feedback, you're like, oh, this is like a slight to me. No, it is not a slight. It is to make you better, right? And I think that even to this day, I'm a big believer that even any kind of feedback, constant feedback, and I always ask this of my team as well as my manager as well too. It's like, it is the best way for you to be the person that you are today, right? It will constantly just evolve and make you better and better and better. So I think back in my career and I'm trying to think of like all the, I don't know, it's a tough, it's feedback is definitely one of them. And I'm trying to think of anything else. I always just knew I love marketing. I love all aspects of marketing and I always wanted to learn more of it. So I also was really lucky to wear different hats of marketing. So even though I did field marketing in the beginning, I started my career in events marketing. I then moved into partner marketing. I did like PMM marketing. So I think it's just like learning what you love, finding where your passion is. And I have to say PMM was definitely the one for me. And I just kept a Evolving on that and then, you know, <laughs> learning more and more each time. <laughs> well, that teases up well for the last question, which is why product marketing? Yeah, it goes back to what I said in the beginning. I fell in love with this idea that I could influence somebody. I feel like there's something so different and unique with that kind of capacity. Like, can you imagine, like, let's just say we cover like soap. How do you sell soap that makes it so luxurious and amazing that someone's like, I'm going to buy that soap. You know what I mean? So like, there's something really beautiful about that as a marketer. Like, you're like, I want to make someone think that this soap is the best soap that they can buy. And I don't know. I think that there's a challenge there, but it's also something as a creative or something that just brings delight to someone. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I'm a big believer of that. I think that that's a fun aspect of the product marketing realm is trying to convince someone that the thing that you're offering is the best out there. Yeah. That's what motivates me every day. <laughs> that's so wonderful. Well, Des, this has been so fun for me and Same. such a wonderful conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I'm so pleased to be here. So thanks again. And I really appreciate it. This show is produced by Sharebird, the knowledge sharing platform for the fastest growing teams. It's the place to get on-demand answers to your questions and learn from leaders in the top of their field. Want more advice and insights? Head to sharebird.com. We'll also link Des's AMA in the show notes. Shout out to our sponsor, Clue. That's Clue with a K, the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers who drive revenue for their business.